0: you know supply and demand and and you have people that the only way now these people are really able to acquire properties i mean look it's very tough for first time buyers now to buy properties you're listening to the right club podcast where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com and now your hosts Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi
1: Hey, Right Club Nation, it's Alfonso Salemi here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? What is it, do you ask? Well, it's the Right Club online community, a place where you can go to find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all the podcast episodes are there, hours of videos with a wide range of real estate investing, training and education, and so much more. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at rightclub.com. Now, let's get to the podcast.
2: Right Club community, welcome back to another awesome episode this week. I'm Sarah Larby, and I'm joined today by Francois Lantier, my co-host. Hello, Francois. How are you?
3: I'm good, Sarah. Thank you. And how about you?
2: I am doing awesome. I uh, By the time that you guys are, are listening to this, I'm probably going to be at my cottage for about a month and a half that I've booked off to really enjoy the summer. But today we have a great guest and uh, that is the one and only Daniel Patton from BM Select Butler Mortgages. real he's, he's a real estate investor, but he's also a really awesome mortgage broker that works with investors. And uh, we have a really awesome conversation today. And, and part of it is actually about financing recreational properties.
3: So very timely. It's awesome. And great tips and advice. So how to work through this uh, crazy market and look for opportunities.
2: Absolutely. And if you haven't yet, please leave a rating and review for our podcast and check out therightclub.com. There's a ton of great things on our website. We have revamped it and uh, we are adding things every single day. So on that note, let's bring in Daniel Patton. Daniel, welcome back to the show for your second time with us. Really excited. Yes. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure to, uh, to be a part of the podcast. I, I feel special my second time. So yeah, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> it's great to be here.
2: Awesome. And I've got uh, Francois and we're going to be asking you lots of great questions about uh, financing and financing different unique types of properties and, and all the good stuff for people that may not know who you are, could you give us a 30,000 foot view of what it is that you do and, <laughs> and also just from a real estate investor standpoint?
0: Sure. Well, I work with Butler Mortgage, BM Select. Uh, I've been doing mortgages for, I'm going to date myself, but I've been doing mortgages for almost 19 years. Uh, more specifically, I've been working with investor financing for about 15 years. Investor financing involves a lot of planning, it involves, you know, some handholding, it involves, you know, on, on the fly, you know, we call it real-time adjustments and pre-approvals because numbers change. So there's a lot of interaction with our investors. So we've just, my, my history specifically with investors is, is building portfolios, working with different lenders, scaling, buying different sorts of properties, and it becomes a bit of a niche. I mean, the investor world's obviously, you know, it's a big world, but it's also a small world in that sense. But we've, uh, yeah, we've been doing it for 15 years. My team is the uh, number one mortgage team in Canada. Um, I've got, uh, you know, 20 to, 20 to 25 staff on hand now that work sort of processing applications, uh, underwriting, closing. So we, we really take investors from, depending on who they are, whether they're first-time investors or whether they're multiple-time investors, we, we really focus on taking them from start to finish, whether it be planning to, uh, to closing that file.
2: Awesome awesome. and And what about you uh, specifically in terms of investing?
0: Oh yeah, I've been an investor for a long time. So things like private lending, you know, owning multiple properties. I've got a duplex. You know, I've done a burr before or a flip to yourself, as some people call it. Uh, I know Sarah. Obviously, that's something that, uh, <laughs> that, that I'm talking to the queen of that now. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, and I mean, real estate investing is a is one of the reasons I got into mortgages. Uh, I I, be, I love the real estate market. I believe in the real estate market, uh, despite it being so crazy right now. So owning multiple properties, different strategies you know uh, private lending things like that definitely something
3: and uh, since their bike club is really coast to coast to coast do you service all of canada Any yeah absolutely or?
0: absolutely francois it's great to see you too thank you so much for for having me back It's you know always good to have francois here he's the best host we see him all the time so i, uh,
3: I that's I, great uh, thank you <laughs> uh,
0: but no we do we definitely we're actually you know more so in the last couple of years we've seen absolute growth all across Ontario or all across Canada. Sorry. I mean, we primarily started, uh, in Southern Ontario, the market obviously here has been really kind to investors. Um, but it's you know it's tough now. It's tough for different reasons. It's tough because of competitiveness. It's tough sometimes uh, if uh, you know if cash flow is is a focus of people. It's tough. So we're seeing a lot of investors branching out to different provinces. We're doing more mortgages in BC. We're doing mortgages in Alberta. We're doing mortgages in Quebec. So yeah, we we do do mortgages all across Canada. Properties and investing isn't just limited to Southern Ontario.
3: That's excellent because I get asked all the time. Okay, I need a referral, especially for Quebec because I speak French. I'm not Quebecois though, but uh, <laughs> I always get asked because people seem to think I'm from Quebec, but well, that's it's, good. A, it's a huge market and a lot of people there, it's underserved and there's a large English speaking population in Quebec yep. and they're looking for mortgage brokers. And so this is excellent, thank you.
0: Yeah, it's tough, It's Quebec is, is a, It's a different you know, ballgame when it comes to financing and conditional offers. I mean, it's it's just a different process. Uh, So absolutely, you want to work with somebody who's familiar with doing deals in Quebec because they can be a little bit trickier than your typical Southern Ontario or Alberta type deal.
2: That is, that is pretty interesting because I, I did want you to expand a little bit. I know we focus often on Ontario, but because we are Canada wide, are you able to share some of the, the differences that, you know, somebody investing in Quebec might, might encounter versus Ontario or Alberta?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I recently had a deal where it, you know, here we have a very simple process. You put your offer in the offer, you know, depending on the amount of offers in is generally conditional on financing or on an appraisal or some sort of home inspection. And you proceed to fulfill those conditions during your, you know, three to five day timeline. And then you fulfill the remaining conditions leading up to the closing date. Well, uh, recently I had a deal where, they literally take it to closing. They take it to close. It's 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 a different process. They take it right to closing before they'll even sign off on the condition of financing. So they want the appraisal done. They want the client signed off on all the paperwork. Like the realtor wants to see all of this stuff up front before they'll actually firm up on the deal. So it led to extensions on what was originally supposed to be the closing date because the closing date, there, there was no way to have, I mean, this was specific to the times, the appraisers, we couldn't get an appraiser out there in time, it was a fast closing, but it ended up pushing out the closing date because the banks and the realtor wouldn't firm up the deal until we had everything satisfied. So a little bit different when it comes to processing there for sure. But I mean, banks rate wise, I mean, all that stuff's pretty much the same. It's it's it, There's a barrier sometimes when you go from province to province, and this is true. This can be very true you know, sometimes dealing with local brokers can be helpful. I mean, that's the truth. Sometimes local brokers are more plugged into things like local appraisals or, or local realtors and their processes. So there's sometimes an initial battle with, Just being out of province that you sometimes have to explain and somebody like myself or, or, you know, you may want to reach out to a real estate agent and let them know that you've done deals in Quebec because there's certainly a barrier there for sure when you're dealing out of province. People don't, you know, don't always love dealing outside their network and when you get outside the province they, you know, it can sometimes... You know, cause headaches. You're you're you want to work in you know in cohesion with the lawyer, the client, the everybody needs to work together. So sometimes that's that that's a battle you have to fight up front.
2: Absolutely. I I wanted to ask you about appraisals. I mean, you you mentioned appraisers and and appraisals, and right now in this crazy market, it's uh you know with multiple offers, and I don't know what it's going to look like you know in a year from now or two years from now, but how are appraisers appraising currently, you know, with, with things just going and being way out of whack
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> on things don't make sense anymore. Um, you know, and, and also like maybe a second part to that is, is how do we now estimate what an ARV is going to be if we're doing any type of types of renos because again, it's all out of whack. So what are some things that you could suggest?
0: Well, get your appraisal ordered early would be one thing. I think people sometimes have a misconception that appraisals can be ordered pretty quickly, two to three day turnaround. And that might be normal in a, you know, in a regular market. But when we see a market like this, which to me, and I'm sure you guys would agree, is very similar to 2017, right? We're, we're at a point now where we're getting multiple offers on properties. We're getting bully offers on properties. We're buying homes, closing them two months later and they're worth more two months later. They could be worth you know tens of thousands of dollars more. This isn't a normal market. So first and foremost, appraisals, like everybody else, I, I, I say this a lot to clients. We, when we're out buying, and trust me, I know buying is the hard part for the agents, for the coaches. You know, putting that time in to go find a property with multiple offers is is, is extremely difficult. But. The the busyness of the market transcends, and it's not just the buyers and the realtors, I mean, the the appraisers are backed up, there's a lot of deals closing, there's a lot of backlog on appraisals, there's a lot of rush files right now, you know, a, a quick closing is a negotiation tactic, right, so hey, I can close it in three weeks, you don't have to wait two months, I'll close it quickly, this puts a lot of pressure on things like appraisals banks mortgage brokers lawyers so the market continuously is getting backed up because everybody nowadays and i'm sure you guys again would agree everybody's dealing with deals that are right in front of their face. And what I mean by that, you're dealing with conditions of financing that are coming up today or tomorrow. You're dealing with closings that are coming up today or tomorrow. You're dealing with people that want pre-approval so they can put in an offer today or tomorrow. So there's just, it's a, it's, it's a crazy market in that sense where everybody is backed up. So appraisals first and foremost, especially in smaller towns, banks are limited on the appraisers. You can't just pick an appraiser and and order the appraisal. The bank will have a list of appraisers that's approved. And if you're going through a mortgage broker, we have to go through a third party to order these appraisals. So small towns can be two weeks, sometimes two to three weeks backed up. So timing for sure. You want to order it with enough time. Now this will sometimes cause a problem because we know the market right now, everybody's going in with I mean, I get this question every day. Can I go in with the firm offer? Can I go in with what my realtor says? I can't go in with conditions. I can't go in with conditions. Well, we have to appreciate right now that when, despite the market conditions, okay, the condition of finance, the home inspection condition, these are there to protect the buyer. Okay. And that doesn't change in a competitive market. The market conditions might change and say, well, look, the least amount of conditions will get the offer, but the risk is still there. So I can pre-approve a client as much as I want. I can tell them how great their numbers are. I can look at their credit. I can get them in a position where I know the bank is going to approve them as the applicant. But the one thing myself nor the bank can confirm is the property right? We need an accepted offer for that, for the bank to clear the property because the bank's going to want an appraisal. And when you see a market like today where there's multiple offers, bully offers, you know, $100,000 over list, $150,000 over list, right? These are what properties are selling for in Southern Ontario anyways, right? That's, this is the reality right now. The banks, that's going to trigger an appraisal every time. And the, the problem some appraisers are having is very similar to 2017. When you get to a market like this is, the prices that you're buying and that you're acquiring properties sometimes not in you know I wouldn't say in most cases but you're just seeing it more so than than regular the purchase price isn't supported by the comparables of this property the market's just increasing too much so appraisers will sometimes despite the fact that we all say, well, we know the house is worth what we paid for it. The appraiser can't find comparables to match the sale price of that property. And if the appraiser can't find those comparables to match the sale price and you're in firm on an offer, you could find yourself in a position where you have to come up with a shortfall of funds on closing. Because if you buy for $600,000, right? And you're putting 20% down, that's 120 grand if that appraisal comes in at $550,000, so 50 grand less than what you're in firm for, the bank is only going to finance the appraised value of the home. So you now have to do 20% down on 550, but you're in firm at 600,000. So guess who has to come up with those funds on closing, right? You, the buyer who's in firm. So appraisals is a it's an excellent question because it's a very important part of the process right now. And it's something that, I get it. I know the market's busy. I know we want to go in with the least amount of conditions. And to be quite honest, it doesn't matter to me. If a client comes to me with a firm offer says, you know, Dan, I had to go in firm on this. Well, no problem. I'm going to work on the file the same way I would if they weren't in firm, but appraisals and values. You certainly want to be talking to your coach. You want to be talking to your, your real estate agent. You want to have a good idea of what the comparables are. And if you can, you want to try to get that appraisal done first and not to ramble on Sarah, but your question about the ARV and how are we getting, I mean, this is where great coaching and a great team will come in because you, you, there's always an element of, of risk in real estate. Whenever we're investing and in, you know, we, we, we can look, at our history, to help predict the future, so we can with experience and with a good team, you can help prepare yourself for an ARV. you can look at comparables you can find a good coach, a good real estate agent is going to help you find those comparables so that you will have a good estimate you will have a good idea of what that that house is going to be, and what we 're seeing now in a market like this as well is Sometimes, like I've had purchases, believe it or not, where they're not closing for two months. Okay, we'll order the appraisal up front sometimes. And the appraiser, if you have a good relationship with the appraiser, the appraiser may say to us, Look, don't order it right now, wait a month, wait for some sales to come through because we're not coming in at value. So, ARV. Again, we, you can make real-time adjustments with comparables. So I would say just trust the coach. Like You have to work with the good team because your coach or your real estate agent is going to really help you narrow down an expected ARV value. That's what I would say. The appraisal is just going to be a, a reflection mostly of the comparables in the area to what you're going to have built.
4: And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors.
2: Right, Club Nation, let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week, Blackjack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas, and for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist.
1: That's right, and Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single-family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value.
2: Absolutely. And they've completed over a hundred units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between. They handle everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes.
1: Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at Contracting inc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life, but when you have Blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now, back to the podcast and now back to the show
2: the The one thing I would just say, you know, especially with the burr strategy or you know if you're flipping, i'm sure the same thing applies, but you know i'm I'm starting to also suggest so I hundred percent I agree with you, obviously somebody that's got a good pulse in the market's going to be able to help you figure out what the a r v is going to be. However, the other thing that you can do, and I think, it, you know, I think, personally, I think it's a great tip for for people to do this, but if they have, like, you guys have a list of all of the appraisal companies, as an example, you probably have a few appraisers that, like, you like more than others. So, if if we can, you know, somehow bring those people in. But... Um, The other piece of it is getting not only an as is appraisal done, but at the same time, pay the 300 bucks or 400 bucks to get an as sweet one Absolutely. bring back that same person so that you're you're mitigating your risk and limiting, like, I don't like surprises. I mean, good surprises, sure. But like, what can you do to get the maximum lift? Have that conversation with the appraiser ahead of time. I can guarantee you, you're going to be in much better shape doing that.
0: Yeah, 100%. I agree. Absolutely. And that's why it's important. Like I said, I agree to work with the same people because you're absolutely right. Ordering that appraisal from the same appraiser after you've had that conversation upfront on the purchase, huge, absolutely. And can be very influential can, can really help determine it. So absolutely. Yep. I
3: agree. Yeah. Cause you build that relationship with the appraiser. I'm going through that myself right now, buying out of province and, um, yeah, the appraiser, you see the same guy on multiple buildings. I'm like, well, maybe I need to reach out to this guy, <laughs> have a conversation. Here's my plan. And that's an excellent tip. So, and even waiting that one, I didn't think about, but it makes so much sense because by the time you put in your offer, I've, I've had that many times, the building's gone up hundred K or 200 K in two months. So that's awesome. Cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's really, it's great. I mean, and you're right. There's appraisers that uh, are known to be a little bit more conservative, I would say. And there's appraisers that, you know, are known to be a little bit more, I wouldn't say favorable, but maybe a little less conservative on their numbers. So yeah, of course. And that takes, you know, that like you said, Francois, it's, you know, in this business, a lot of it is about relationships and that, that includes appraisers. Absolutely.
2: For sure. I mean, a huge part of, of the the process. So, um, I, I want to pivot a little bit and, uh, you know, you've got a nice background. I thought you were, were originally at your cottage uh, <laughs> when I, I saw that, but it just looks like you have a really nice backyard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but with that said, one of the things that you mentioned before we started recording is everyone's asking me about cottages, financing cottages, three season, four season, trying to, you know, make these, these offers. Um, what can you tell us from, from a, a financing standpoint on uh, recreational properties?
0: Yeah. Another hot topic. I mean, last year, I, I mean, I had more, I think cottage inquiries or recreational properties than I ever had before. Um, They can be absolutely great uh, depending on what the use is. Financing, however, can sometimes be a little tricky on these types of properties and I'll explain. So, when you're buying a recreational home or or as the banks or the insurers call it a secondary home okay this is a cottage type property okay a place that you're gonna live in and you're going to you know share with family or whatever it is this actually you can qualify at five or ten percent down or you can qualify at 20 percent. a lot of people don't know that but when you're buying a cottage that you're gonna you know live in or you're gonna again have family or whatever five or ten percent down you can qualify okay the second you say I wanna rent it out, this property now becomes a rental property, okay? And a rental property requires 20% down. And now you can sometimes get in a, you know, in a situation where you wanna do both. Well, I wanna live in it and then I wanna rent it out and I wanna do Airbnb. Well, Airbnb can pose issues with the bank. Banks don't love the idea of an Airbnb. So the recreational and cottage type properties, a lot of time require a a conversation with the finance person upfront to ensure that financing is available on this type of property. Airbnbs fall into more of like a hotel motel type property. Okay, and residential lenders don't love the idea of a property being Airbnb. So if you bring a property to me, an MLS listing that says, two cottages on one plot of land, you know, rented out all summer, bringing in dollar amount like this, the banks are gonna have an issue with that type of property, okay? If you're buying a regular cottage and your intention is to own or occupy it, secondary home, again, you can qualify at five or 10% down. If the plan is to rent it, one of the advantages of renting it, if you just say, well, look, I'm gonna rent it as a long-term rental. So let's just say I'm gonna do it as a long, I find this house, my intention is I'm gonna rent it as a long-term rental. Where that's helpful for the buyer, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping all over the place, because this is a bit of a high, uh, you know, multi-layered topic, but when it's a long-term rental, I can use rental income to help you qualify to buy that property. So if you come to me and say, Dan, later on in life, I want to have a retirement home on the lake, and my intention right now is to rent this property out to a family. I want to buy it. I'm going to rent it out. I'm going to move there later on. Well, that's a rental. And now I can use rental income. I don't even need a tenant in there with some banks. I can use a market rent analysis and that will help propel your pre-approval to a higher level. It's treated just like a rental. I can use rental income. So your pre-approval is going to be higher. When you say it's a secondary home and it's going to be a cottage, yes, you can qualify at five or 10% down, but the challenge becomes you can't use the rental income anymore because it's not a rental. Now this is a cottage that you're going to occupy. So your pre-approval is much lower as a secondary home than it would be as a rental. So there's advantages in terms of qualifying when the intention is for the property to be Your rental because you'll get a higher pre-approval for the most part. So uh, again, multi-layered, like more people are, 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 are certainly looking at cottages and pre-approvals. But the first question that the, that the financing person or the coach needs to have with the client is, what is the intention of the property? What is the plan? So that you can construct the financing and run the pre-approval accordingly to make sure the numbers are going to work. And if you're in between, I'm going to do both, then talk to your financing person and come up with the game plan of how you're going to proceed on the purchase. Because Every when when you're when when you know, intention can can change in a sense, right? Like there's nothing wrong with you know, you, you sign that closing saying, well, I'm going to make this a secondary home. I'm going to make it a cottage, but there's nothing wrong with you, you know, years down the road, deciding, Oh, well, I want to rent it out or whatever it is. Your intention can change, but you have to dictate to the lender on closing through the lawyer. What is your intention on closing? And you can't say it's for both a rental and an owner occupied. So you have to make the decision on what your intention is with the property. And that's a conversation you want to have up front before you start looking at cottages. So I'm It's a long winded answer. I'm sorry to, to To sort of answer it like that, but a great question. It's multi-layered in that sense, but yes, way more people looking at cottages, waterfront property. I mean, it's hard to find, especially Southern Ontario. I mean, there's not many places to go.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And now that was a really good answer. And I know lenders don't like Airbnb. They don't like short-term rental income. So (laughs) So work and plan ahead. Um, can that you- doesn't
0: mean that short term rentals aren't a great idea, right? Because no, there's private awesome. lenders that'll do it. And that, I spend a lot of time saying this to investors. You know, it's funny. We sometimes as investors, we get focused on the, the, that the lowest rate is the best deal. And we don't wanna pay fees because fees mean it's not a good deal. But when you're taking a property, like I explained, maybe a two cottage lot, which is cash flowing three grand a month, you know, in the summer or whatever, and annualized, maybe it's cash flowing two grand a month. The rate necessarily doesn't matter in that sense. If you can manage the property and the property is cash flowing at two grand, well, and you're paying a rate of 6% and you're, and you're bringing in those funds, well, there's not many duplexes or, or single family homes that are going to cash flow at two grand at two, 3% where A rates are. So I mean, it's a, a lot of it's about affordability. So Airbnb's maybe the banks don't like it, but that doesn't mean it's not a great opportunity through private lending.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You're right. I mean, high season, I get 600 bucks a night on my cottage that I purchased right. for 485 I mean, the prices have gone like crazy high in the last, since we bought it for like the last three, four years. But I'll tell you, the cash flow on, on the short term rentals are much better. And yeah, like they probably do make sense. Can you touch base and then I'll have Francois ask a question. But before we, we do that, can you touch base on the difference to finance a three season, what that looks like uh, on average?
0: again, a lot of it comes down to the appraisal. I mean, for the most part, you're looking at some sort of like private or alternate financing, I would say. Um, Banks want to see like year round access. I mean, otherwise you're, again, it falls into the secondary home. If you're buying a secondary home, that's a cottage and you're qualifying to, to own it, you can go traditional financing on a three season cottage. That's no problem. They may want some sort of verification on, you know, well water or water potability test or something like that, but you can get traditional financing. But the challenge sometimes becomes, well, if this property is a three-season cottage and you want to make it a long-term rental, how is it going to be rented long-term if it's only three-season? So depending on, again, the type of deal that can influence whether or not the bank is going to do it because the bank will say, well, it can't be a long-term rental. It's a three-season cottage, so we can't do it. But a secondary home, absolutely. that You could buy a three-season cottage for a secondary home. We sometimes see people self-finance if they have a large HELOC on their owner-occupied home or on a rental or something. You can acquire these properties for cash sometime if there's enough on your HELOC. Pay the interest only. That's one of the benefits of having a HELOC. If the plan is to rent it out, you get the interest deduction on that. So lots of different ways to structure it. But again, the intention can sometimes be the driving force when it's a three season.
3: And you mentioned private funds earlier. So is the loan to value the same with private funds? Does it still go up to like potentially 95 or do they keep it lower?
0: No, well, 95 might be tough on private. I mean, there's, this, yeah. there's people out there that would that might do it. I don't know whether the numbers would make sense at 95, but you know, you'll see 80% is pretty much the standard. Private lenders are just very much about the resale. That's the that's the private lender, right? They all they care about is if if you know the you know what hits the fan, how am I gonna get my money back and how quick am I gonna sell this house? So location and appraisal is what matters to the to, to, to the lender. So as long as it's in a you know a, a resale sellable area, unique type properties are sometimes more expensive, but your traditional cottage or waterfront. Yeah, absolutely. Private lenders will do it. We're seeing pretty good private lender rates right now. I mean, we're seeing 5%, 6% sometimes depending on location. So, I mean, these are great rates. These are great rates for first mortgage, especially on like Airbnb type properties. They can really be profitable.
3: What about kind of, I know we're really exploring the cottage theme here, but I I think it's very pertinent. what about cottages with like no power, no running water? Cause I have friends, they have a cottage on a private, well, private Island or somewhere you only access by boat. Is that easy to finance? Cause that's L- a little bit harder.
0: <laughs> Good question. A little bit harder. This is, you're starting to get into an area of the resale. I mean, that's the, the banks and the private lenders are about risk. That's what they lend based on. They based on, you know, it's on risk. And when you start to get out in like, you know, Island type, off the grid. What's the reason? How quickly can I resell that house? I need such a unique buyer that as a private lender, I don't want, you know, if something happens, I don't want my money to have to sit in a property like that for four to six months while we find, you know, the specific buyer that wants to live off the grid. And now I'm not saying they're not out there. I mean, sometimes that life, especially amongst all this real estate seems quite appealing, right? Off the grid, no cell phone, nothing like that. But the financing can be a little bit tricky. Again, we look at things on something like that maybe at self-financing if you do you have equity in existing properties you know before we, we look at private lending private lending is more expensive and i mean look equity in existing rentals is, is something that if you've done investing in the past five ten years you know you you, you probably have so coming back and reaccessing the money through existing rentals can, it can really help for that stuff for sure
3: so that leads me sorry Sarah to another question so equity in other rentals what's happening with refinancing because i'm hearing from some of the people i know it's taking forever for refis because it's not a priority i mean you mentioned it earlier people need quick closing they need this and that a refi is definitely secondary so can you yeah absolutely which
0: so refi adding a home equity line of credit i mean absolutely especially excuse me you know excuse me, we live in a little bit of a bubble with real estate. We work, you know, mostly with just investors and investors right now are in just as quick of a rush as the people that are trying to buy the people that are, you know, have Cofs coming up people that are closing. Why? Because investors are realizing, and this they've been realizing this for a long time, it's no secret, money is cheap right now, right? And if you've bought a property in the last five to 10 years, especially, again, I keep mentioning Southern Ontario, that's where we are, but if you bought a property in the last five to 10 years, in the GTA specifically, it's like winning the lottery. It, it literally is. You, you've made six figures, potentially multiple times, depending on the property you bought. And what a lot of investors are doing now is they're realizing, look, I'm sitting here with a property I bought for maybe four or $500,000, you know, in 2015, 2014, this property is now worth $800,000. And I got a mortgage on there, of maybe 380 grand. What can I do? Look how well this has worked out for me. I bought this property for 400,000. Now it's worth seven, $800,000. This has worked out really well. I haven't really, you know, first time investors, a lot of the times they worry about, you know, well, what if I can't rent it out? That's, I mean, I'm sure as multiple time investors, you realize there's no shortage of renters. Like that's one concern you don't have to worry. You can be specific. There's lots of renters, so you don't have to worry about that. But these people have gotten in their home, you know, maybe you've learned through learning curve, you know, issues with tenants, but they've basically come now and realized, Look, looks five years later, I've got all this equity in my house. I'm coming up for mortgage renewal. What do I do? I want to do this again. I want to buy more properties and the aff- affordability of money right now on the interest rates. I know the housing market's very high. The cost of housing is, is, is expensive, but the money is cheap to acquire it. And I'll give you a quick example. This I just, just so the listeners can, can get an idea here. So if you're buying a five, and I, I say 500 because it's easy math for me, but if you're buying a $500,000 house in Southern Ontario, Okay, which is going to be hard to find, but let's assume you can find something for $500,000. Okay, $100,000 borrowed off of a home equity line of credit right now is going to cost you about $245 of interest only payments. Okay, Why do we pay interest only? Because it's deductible. It's being used towards an investment property. So we pay interest only on $245. Okay, It's a tax deduction every year then we're acquiring the property. So on this $500,000 property, we've borrowed $100,000 for the down payment. We're now going to borrow $400,000, right? We're going to borrow $400,000 for the remaining mortgage. Now, if we set that up in a variable rate, that $400,000 mortgage is going to cost us about 1500 bucks a month. So if you look at the overall cost to acquire a $500,000 property right now, you're looking at, $250, Two hundred and fifty. It's two hundred and forty-five, but two hundred and fifty dollars a month of interest-only payments to borrow the down payment, and then fifteen hundred dollars to borrow the, to borrow the mortgage payment. So all in for the mortgage and the down payment, you're in seventeen hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, plus your property taxes, plus your insurance. So you're maybe all in around two grand most properties, this was a number I might've used a year ago or a year and a half ago, but most properties are cash flowing over that. that $2, if you're renting a 500 dollars $600, $600,000 $600 house out, you're probably bringing in $2,200, $2,400. So these investors or people that have equity in their home are realizing, look, I can borrow, I can leverage all of this money to go buy more assets. And that's what you want to do in finance. You want to leverage deductible debt and pay off your non-deductible debt. So so they're coming back and they're acquiring these assets that are covering themselves. And every time they've done this over the past 10 years, they've made money because the market continues to go up and the equity continues to appreciate. So a lot of people, and again, uh, you know, I'm just a lowly mortgage broker in Southern Ontario, but people ask me all the time, what's driving the market? The cost of money, number one, I wouldn't say that's number one, but that's one of the reasons, the cost of money, you know, uh, supply and demand obviously is there's a shortage of that. You know, we're still, people don't realize we're still processing the immigration applications, right? No, the borders are closed. Nobody's coming over, but these people the majority of immigration that's coming over and if you look at the amount of numbers that are coming the bulk of them are coming to southern Ontario I mean it's supply and demand you can just say anything you want about economics but you can't take away supply and demand so when you compare cheap money to you know supply and demand and and you have People that the only way now these people are really able to acquire properties. I mean, look, it's very tough for first-time buyers now to buy properties. I mean, that's something that's getting lost in this whole shuffle, right? You're, we're changing these mortgage rules. You know, we're they're, they're trying to slow the market, but it's really only affecting the five to ten percent down, which is tough because those are the people that that you know are trying to acquire products. The next generation, that's the youth, but they need that kickstart. These people, these investors that have all this equity in their properties, they're they're steps, they're miles ahead now. They've got. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're putting twenty percent down on multiple properties. They have that ability. So it's it's really creating you know a, a gap between the, the people who own the assets and the people that don't. But the money is cheap. It's two thousand bucks, and you could be all in for a five hundred thousand dollar house that's appreciating at you know. I, mean, I dare to say five to ten percent I i i used to be scared to say five percent i'd tell people two to three just two to three percent expecting mean, five percent is a great return five percent now people would balk at that they five percent that's not enough that's crazy you know markets down here is nuts so
4: and now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors
1: hey right club nation we want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce you to a longtime supporter of The Right Club and many members of The Right Club Nation, Mr. Dylan Suter of Elevation Realty. Dylan, take it away.
4: Thank you so much for this opportunity. We, as Elevation Realty, are the sponsor for the real estate slot at The Right Club, and we have been attending since the second Right Club. We are an investment-focused, high-volume real estate team serving the Golden Horseshoe from Oakville down to Niagara. If you are looking to increase your cash flows or you want to find an incredible opportunity, we deal with builders, we deal with off-market opportunities, as well as we are very creative and negotiate the best deal for even on-market opportunities. We've helped a number of clients with the right club, find flips, single-family rentals, duplex conversions, three- and four-unit renovations, all the way up to large residential buildings with high cash flow.
2: Guys, and I have to say, I stand behind Elevation and Dylan. They found me. My last few properties have done an amazing job. 100% recommend them. So thank you for all your hard work.
1: Now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show.
2: It, it, it I is- forget what the
0: initial question was. I went on another. No,
2: but you know what? It, it is so interesting because because we've... So, I mean, really, in the last... 10 plus years, like it's gone up. Even you mentioned 2017, but that, that was a short little blip. And then, you know, and then things continued anyway. So we, we haven't had a real big shift for I don't know how many years. And I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, we, we talk about it and, and we say we've got some great equity at some point. Things may change, right? So we can't we can't always predict that it's going to keep going up whether it's five percent. I mean, obviously it's not gonna be, I hope not anyways, another 30, 40 percent like it just did, you know, in the last year. However, you know, at some point things will change. And I think you you talked about cash flow. Cash flow is super important because you do want to be able to hang on and then you wanna be an investor, you don't want to be a speculator. A lot of people that, you know, look at the past 10 years are like, I could have bought anything. Really, you could bought you could have bought anything pretty much across Ontario, even you know, 12 hours north. And you would have done well in the past, you know, in the past 10 years plus. And, and I,
0: I agree 100% everything you said. And and that's one of the things I you'll notice. And I'm not saying flips aren't a great idea. I mean, look, everybody's investor strategy is whatever it is. But to me, real estate, and I agree with you, Sarah, and I can't stress enough, it's a long-term game. And you will see... Potent, you will see dips, you will see massive increases like this. And you're right, this market will not sustain like this. There will be changes much like 2017, which in hindsight, I mean, you're right. I, I even myself, I bought in 2017 and there was a time where I, I, I'm i sure I probably did at that point, the values dropped a little bit and I probably overpaid for my house. But now looking back from 2021, everybody's going, I should have bought in 2017. Yeah. So you're right, paralysis by analysis, we say, right? And people, you could, you could spend a lifetime and i should have bought five years ago i should have bought 10 years ago but that's every investor that i've ever come across in my life their one regret is that they didn't buy more early on that's everybody's right that's the market the mar- that's why real estate is long term right you, The dips will happen you're absolutely right we have to remember that this won't stay like this but it's a long-term game
2: uh, absolutely i mean that's it, like time in the market it's not t- it's not about timing it but you talked about immigration and, and I'm a big believer and that's you know obviously the supply and demand. You talked about potentially the middle class dwindling away where it's going to be investors or people that have owned their homes for a long time and renters. And I don't know what is going to be done to try to stop it. I th- I, at some point, the government will step in. I'm guessing they're talking about raising, you know, the, the Bank of Canada, rate. Right, I think in, in early 2022. You know, once that happens, you know, A, how quick are they going to do it? And B, what, what, what is that going to do? But I also, and I don't know, what Daniel, what your thoughts are, but I also think that the ones that are going to be affected are usually usually going to be the luxury types of of real estate when there's things that happen you know you look back at two thousand and seventeen when they when they added you know uh, the the stress test and they added the um the tax you know for foreigners you know that slowed things down, but I think it's still it it didn't really slow down the investment market right where you're putting yep. in a tenant you're, you're doing your, your conversions your cash flowing it slowed down more of the higher end market so again you know we, we've got to invest we can't we can't be speculating but what do you think will potentially i mean it's hard it's hard you, nobody has a crystal ball but w- will potentially slow down the, the market do you think it's going to be the increase over time with the rates do you think it's going to be government intervention down the road um or you know are people just going to be it, it, sp- yeah Offers. Really
0: um, good question. Really good. question. I think a lot of things have to happen. I think there's a lot of factors um, and you're right. There's no crystal ball, but not that you're seeing a peak, but I think we're now I'm seeing like literally right now and, and just so everybody knows we're sitting here. What's the date today? April 30th. We're sitting here April 30th. I'm literally seeing a point and I've never seen this in, in my career where the realtors, the people that are out on the street looking at property or the investors if they're doing it themselves, they're literally at a point where they can't take on any more clients. Okay. They, they literally can't take on any more clients. These people are working if they're busy and they've got investors, they're working with like five to 10, maybe 15 buyers and they're going out and they're spending time with their 15 buyers and they're putting offers in on one property and 10 of their buyers are trying to buy and they might miss out with all of their buyers and it gets sold to somebody else and they got to start all over again with all the same buyers. So it's a very difficult time for, real estate agents in particular to, to take on new business. Okay. So you're, I'm, I'm finding that realtors right now are, are just the deal that the new clients aren't making their way to us as much because they, they're not advertising. I can't take on, I have to unload clients now because in fairness, I got to have time for them. I can't take up any more clients. So I'm seeing a little bit of a slowdown on new client generation. Okay. First time buyers, sure. They're always going to be out there, but it, it, investors and, and busy real estate, are, they're, they're, it's, it's slowing down. So that's one small factor. Okay. One small factor. More supply. Okay. We're starting to see a little bit more supply on the market. Right, more with pe- we, we expected this last year, right? More people are selling. People don't want to sell in the winter. They want to sell in the spring. They want to show their nice house, the colors, the grass, right, the landscaping. We want to show that in the spring and the summer. So you're starting to see a little bit more uh, uh, inventory come available, right? Because that's the one thing everybody says. There's no inventory. I got buyers, but there's no inventory. So, so you're seeing a little bit more inventory. So there's two factors, okay? You know, you're seeing interest rates Starting to creep up, you know, if you were to look at a snapshot, and this is crazy, you look at a snapshot over the last six months, I get clients, they say, Dan, what's, you know, again, so we sit here April 30th. this could change, but we sit here today, people say, well, what's my five-year fixed rate? And you're gonna be somewhere if it's a rental or an owner occupied about maybe 239 to 269, just depends on the bank, okay, 239, 269. I have people that say to me, oh, it's too high, Two three nine two six nine. it's too high, I, that's way too high. I'm, I'm hearing 199, well, that's true. Rates were 199 three months ago. Okay, you could have even gotten down to maybe one six nine on a five-year fixed rate. But the bonds are more expense, more expensive. So the cost of that is going up. The rates are going up. Now, if you looked at a snapshot over the last again, three to six months, you'd say, sure, yeah, rates are higher now than they have been over the last six months. But if you looked at that at a similar snapshot over the last 10 years and looked at where rates are today, you'd go, Oh my God, this is the lowest I've ever seen interest rates. So rates you know are at a, are at a low. But but they are starting to climb so the perception out there is that up oh, rates are going up now that's the end of the cheap money so you're starting to combine different factors you're starting to combine you know realers business the buyers they're maxing out right now they, they there's a lot of business they can't take on any more business the good ones anyways two where more inventory is coming to the market Three, the money is becoming a little bit more expensive now, right? We also have rumor of a stress test. It might be in, right? The stress test might be coming June 1st, the increase to the stress test. So it's making it less affordable for people. So you're starting to combine this. And I agree, sir. And this is where you start to get in. So what else could happen to start to tip this, you know, towards maybe where we saw in 2017? Influx of inventory, not as many buyers. Well, because you're starting to unload these buyers. That's the benefit, right? The realtors now, if there's more inventory, they can start to unload some of these buyers. So hopefully that inventory supply lasts and the realtors can unload and go back to a little bit normal market. But government intervention, okay? One thing, I mean, again, I'm no crystal ball, but one thing you could see is the end of 5% down okay that's something that could just end you can really only do for those that aren't aware you can only do five percent down on five hundred thousand now you used to be able to do five percent down on a, uh, i think you could do it over a million i've been doing this long enough i can't even remember but you used to be able to do it over a million i believe they cut that all back right now yeah. you can five do percent down on five hundred thousand and you have to do ten percent down on the amount above five hundred thousand so i think when you talk government changes listen the government doesn't want to crash the market they, that, that doesn't benefit anybody so you'll see a slow increase in a A lot of this, like the stress test change, which may affect people 5% on their purchase price, give or take, you know, maybe 20 grand on a, you know, five, four, four or $500,000 house, 20, 25 grand, not the end of the world, but that's going to affect first time buyers more than it will people that are buying at 20% down. And first time buyers, I'm just, I should say five to 10% down buyers because five to 10% down buyers are held to a much more strict qualifying rule. They have to have their ratios in line because it's mortgage insurers that are approving you. So you have to follow their guidelines. When you have 20% down, the bank is actually the one making the call now. There's no mortgage insurance. So the bank can make an exception if if your ratios, they call it, if your debt servicing ratios are a little high. So if you're talking a slightly higher stress test and you're talking the bank being able to make exceptions for investors, they're probably going to make a lot of those exceptions for those people. That's how I see it anyways. Conventional deals the bank for the most part will just make the exception. Whereas those those 5 to 10% down buyers are just they're 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 getting scaled back right so you're getting the people that are doing 20 percent down are probably still qualifying and if they got to come up with an extra 20 grand a lot of them have HELOCs, they have equity they have cash they can do that but the five to ten percent down buyers i mean you're sitting in a market now where you could buy at 550 and now you're getting scaled back to like doesn't seem like a lot but 525 five that i mean that's the wrong direction
3: yeah that's excellent information for people out there and a good summary i'm curious about bm select so i know butler mortgages but bm select what's what's behind
0: this (laughs) so so bm select is is sort of the the brainchild of my business partner dave butler and i uh we've known each other our whole lives we grew up together we've been doing mortgages a long time so butler mortgage is more of a online brokerage. Okay. And they're great. They do a lot of, uh, rate advertising and they do a lot of, you know, first time buying. They do private. They're, they're great, but they're an online brokerage. So we've created something a little bit separate from, from Butler mortgage, which is BM select and BM select caters more to, you know, what we call VIP clientele, investors, clients that need interaction, clients that need to be able to call somebody and get on the phone. There's a lot of mortgage brokerages out there that process online applications send us your application we'll run your pre-approval we'll email you your numbers you can go out and shop you email us back your docs it's a very simple process but we wanted to create sort of a brand for investors for even first-time buyers that there's more involvement, there's more handholding. And I think with investors, that's key, that's what you want. This whole investor game is built on relationships. We talked about that earlier, right? It's with the appraiser, with the coaches, with the investment clubs, with your broker, with your lawyer. There's no replacement for surrounding yourself with people with experience and people that you can trust. So we wanted to create a brand that reflected that. We wanted to give people, you know, our team. We wanted to give them our service. We want to show them we're available. This is what we do. We've been, you know, the number one mortgage team for four years in a row, primarily driven by investors. So we really wanted to put a focus on that. So BM Select in a nutshell is premium service, select clientele. And a lot of that is, is investor focused, uh, referral So we deal a lot with referral sources, um, coaches, real estate agents in that world. So yeah, thank you for asking. We've, we've sort of done a little bit of a rebranding over the past, uh, six months and BM select is just sort of our VIP division of Butler mortgage.
2: Very cool. I think, uh, I think it's, it's a great, great tool, especially because we need so much, you know, different things than a regular home buyer. So it is good to separate the two and then you can really ensure that you, you work with somebody to grow their portfolio because it's one thing to buy one or two properties, but you if you're going to scale and you're gonna be, you know, going to 10 properties, 20 properties, like you have to be very strategic in even how you start and, and where you start so that you're, you know, at least borrowing at the best terms, the best ability to like, you know, have options I think down the road.
0: Even first time buyers, if you're thinking about it, I mean, right, you, and you would know, sir, if you're doing things like burst strategy, you got to make sure that mortgage is set up properly. If you're planning on breaking it, if you're planning on getting mm-hmm. HELOCs, you got to, whether you're dealing with a branch or a mortgage person, you have to ensure they know investors. They know the stru- how to structure the type of deal you're trying to put together, whether it's commercial, residential, you just want to work with people with experience. So, yeah, I agree.
2: Awesome, awesome. All right, cool. So, Daniel, I mean, we, we can keep talking forever because, like, there's so much information, and I, I, I actually love talking about financing. Awesome. <laughs> I know.
0: I don't know why you say that all the time. I'm like, oh, this is boring stuff. Who's going to want to listen to this? It's essential. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's not like, I don't know, like, a, maybe because the, the financing and I should say the refinancing is really where you're like, oh, awesome. Like, I just made a shit ton of money on the refi. And, and maybe that's why I love it so much. Cause it's like, it's like, that's where, and when you get the cash, but everything that happens before you need to, you need to sort it out. But I, the, I,
0: that's the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. You spend these years and I know you do specifically, you spend time in the project and the budget and the financing and the ARV. So at the very end, when it all comes together, it's like, it's, it's like a, it's like you painted your picture, your Picasso, it's done.
2: <laughs> maybe that's why, right? Awesome. So the next part is our lightning round. So So, we are going to ask you a series of four questions that every guest gets the same questions. And uh, I will start. Are you ready?
0: Yeah, I'm ready, as ready as I'll ever be.
2: And check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email, daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right, 20 second or last answers. Number one, what is the best advice that you have ever received from another investor or at a networking event?
0: Uh, You know, I would say to build a team of people you trust 100 percent. when it comes to investing you have to work with people you trust you're never going to be able to handle every aspect of investing yourself so it's absolutely essential to build a team of people around you that you trust and that are honest
3: excellent answer uh, what is your favorite resource for real estate investing anything like a book training person an event uh well i there, i've read
0: books when I was kids for sure. So things like, you know, wealthy barber, uh, how to win friends and influence people is a great, my dad got me to read that when I was a kid. So books for sure on how to deal with relationships and events. but specifically investors, it's the investors. I love these. I love going on webinars. I love talking to people. I love seeing how they're structuring. We get a lot of, of, of info just from doing the deals. We see the appraisals coming in. We see the areas people are buying in. So just being physically involved in, in deals in different areas, it's the best teacher around for sure
2: yeah that is a great point number three what is the one attribute in your opinion that has made you most successful
0: um ooh. <laughs> 20 seconds uh I, I i i i honesty i mean that hard work and honesty i think that that's crucial i think you know In this business, you know, not all news is the news people want to hear when it comes to appraisal values, when it comes to deals, maybe not getting accepted when it comes to terms. And, you know, you have to be willing, despite the fact that maybe people are upset or they may not want to hear it, you have to be honest with people and you have to tell them the truth and you have to give them the numbers so that they can make the decisions. You know, we never try to influence anybody into buying or not. My job is to give you the numbers, help you make decisions, answer questions, give you all the ammo. But it's 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 being honest and being fair with people. I mean, is is I hope that doesn't sound too typical, but that and hard work, you, on, that you'll you'll beat anybody.
3: No, it's awesome. And I agree. I mean, I can feel I, I want to send you business now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and it's <bro>. so true.
0: <laughs>
3: Super. Alors je vais t'envoyer des clients. <laughs> thank you very much. So, next question and our last one. What do you typically do on a Sunday morning?
0: Oh my goodness. If it's if it's football season i'm getting ready for the kansas city chiefs i'm a big kansas city chiefs fan so i watch football as much as i can i'm probably ordering breakfast or may i say i should have said making breakfast but the truth is i'm probably ordering breakfast for for the family and uh, going for a walk with the dogs for sure in the in, in the spring or summer morning i've got two little chihuahuas so we uh we take them for a walk every day so
2: awesome awesome sounds like fun very cool. So, Daniel, where can our Wright Club community reach out if they wanted to connect or know more about you or, uh, or BM Select or Butler Mortgages?
0: Absolutely. So, for now, I would say you can email us. You can email myself at daniel at bmselect.ca. We also have info at bmselect.ca. Either one of those, myself, my sales team, or, uh, or someone will reach out to you for sure. Reach out anytime we work with. Again, investors first time buyers all different uh, all different scopes of investors so thank you both but really for having me on you guys are you make it so easy i was worried oh my god i'm not going to have enough to talk about and here we are an hour <laughs> later and you know you time i'm flies i have well, rambled right? on thank you both you guys are amazing i really really appreciate the opportunity and thanks to all the listeners right club we uh, we love being a part of it
2: amazing thank you. thank you so much for all the insights and all the the great tips guys and reach out to <laughs> daniel and his team
0: Thank you so much, everyone.
3: Hey, Sarah. So what did you think about this interview? That was some amazing content and some great tips.
2: Absolutely. Lots of great information. I mean, I, I think we could have talked for likely another hour or two. Yes. We've gone in so many directions. We'll have to have him come back uh, and, and, you know, and, and talk about, like, I just love talking about financing. I, I don't know what it is. I, I hate paperwork with a passion. So that part I don't like. But talking about financing and talking about refinancing, I think it is, uh, for me anyways, it's, it's fascinating. Anything on your end, Francois, uh, like a key takeaway or a big, you know, aha uh, moment as part of the discussion?
3: Yeah, so a few things. So Daniel, first of all, makes it sound very easy, which is probably why you like talking about financing. Because <laughs> I hate the paperwork as well, the stacks and stuff. But I mean, he mentioned the relationship. So working with a higher touch, a VIP kind of service like this is essential. And one big takeaway is they service all of Canada. So for me, I do lots of long distance investing. And I have a lot of people Well, we have a lot of people in our network all across Canada from Ontario investing in other provinces or other provinces investing elsewhere. So you can call Daniel and get service anywhere. Uh, he, He had some awesome insight as well, like the Quebec market, which is always a bit more elusive. Uh, Even though I speak French, I'm not Quebecois. And um, I just, yeah, I learned some tips there, like conditions and things. It's, It's very different. So you need those experts on your team. And that was a really good insight.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you said, there is some value in working with a a broker that can go anywhere across the country if you are looking at expanding into other regions or you are from other regions um, because then they can keep working with you and they have your file, they have your information, they have the plan. Um, I think that's really valuable and uh, that's a great point, Francois. Guys, Sprite Club community, I want to thank you for tuning in this week again and uh, have a great weekend, great rest of the day, and don't forget to come grow with us.